0: So if you want to grab your Bibles, I want us to go over to uh, the Old Testament, find the book of Judges, and we're going to uh, be talking in our uh, summer series, wrapping this up, called Summer Upgrade. <clears throat> how many of you, as you're finding your way to the book of Judges, how many have ever heard this expression that goes like this, quitters never win, and winners never quit? Anybody ever heard that? Let me see raise your hands. Come on, I want a dynamic service this morning. Talk to me. How many of y'all ever heard this? Amen. Amen. Quitters never win and winners never quit. Well, today as we wrap up our summer upgrade series, I want to challenge this mindset. Seth Godin, author and business guru, he's written several books and he does, you know, keynote speaking and all sorts of different things, but he once said this, we lionize People who, through persistence, make it to the other side. But what we don't talk about or write about is how before they did this, they used to do something else that they had to quit before doing this big thing. Any uh, Mario fans in here? There was a Super Mario movie that came out recently. Any 80s, 80s nostalgia folks, y'all? Come on, don't, don't, don't lie. I got some folks in the back. I got some people. You, I remember you getting irritated playing that, you know, Mario, a plumber, going through all sorts of stuff, trying to beat this turtle Bowser thing that breeds fire. Y'all know Nintendo, right? Okay. Well, did you know that Nintendo quit the playing card business so that they could focus on making video games and consoles? How many of y'all have Nintendo playing cards? No, but if I say Mario, you remember Mario or Zelda or all these other different uh, games. Slack. I don't know if y'all have used Slack for work, but it's a productivity tool. But before Slack became what it was, it used to be an internal tool for a game design company. Okay? And oh, believe it or not, some of y'all music fans and symphony folks, um, percussion folks, Once, Yo-Yo Ma didn't play the cello. He used to do other things. So this idea that winners never quit and quitters never win isn't entirely accurate, is it? Because there's been some times that quitting is necessary. If you don't believe me, uh, think about Blockbuster. And some of y'all, young folks, your parents can expound on what I mean by that. We'll just leave it there. But if you're with me, open up your Bibles to the book of Judges. Today, as we're thinking, we've been talking about upgrading in in terms of our emotional intelligence, our ethical decision-making, our upgrading our money and finances, upgrading our stress management and processing, all these different things. And today, I want to capstone this with uh, going through this story that I find in the Bible because we have to challenge this notion that quitting is entirely bad. If you're in uh, Judges chapter 6, say amen. Let's upgrade our quitting game. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn to quit. quit. No, seriously, tell your neighbor, learn to quit. quit. Some of y'all be like, man, I've been hearing the opposite message all my life. Learn to quit. It's just about what you're quitting. The important thing is, what are you quitting? We need to realize we can't just keep pressing on and hitting our head against the wall again and again and again and again. There are some things we need to learn how to let go of, how to throw that out with the garbage. It's not serving you, it's not helping. If you continue, you're going off a cliff, and there is not a positive outcome and experience awaiting you at the bottom. Learn to quit. Judges chapter 6, so the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing, say nothing, nothing to eat. Taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys, these enemy hordes coming with their livestock in tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Father, this is your word. And I invite you and implore you. Holy Spirit, equip me to bring it out to your church. Bless these people, I pray. Lord, I know that you're working in hearts. And today, Father, should the opportunity present itself, there are people here who will say yes to you. And will take you at your word. And Father, will make this their declaration that you are for them and not against them. And that, Father, you are leading them now in this very moment in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Winners sometimes quit. And the first thing that I want to bring to your attention today is that we got to learn how to quit hiding. Say hiding. Now look at verse 11. If you drop down, the people have cried out to God. They have asked God, please help us. We have made mistakes. We have come into sin. God, you have given us over in judgment to the Midianites and Amalekites and all the people of the east here. But Lord, we need your help in the midst of this issue. And the Bible now introduces us to a person by the name of Gideon. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, that's a type of tree, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. We open up the scene when we're introduced to this man called Gideon. And this man is hiding from the Midianites. This man is hiding from a people. Who are these people? The Midianites were semi-nomadic people of the Sinai Peninsula. And they were, you know, inhabiting western Arabia. According to Genesis chapter 25, if you go back in the history, you can trace back their lineage, their distant relatives of Israel. They were actually descendants of Abraham. When Sarah died, Abraham takes another wife, Keturah. And what happens there is she has several kids, and one of their kids is called Midian. And so there is a family connection And so we start off, there's, there's conversations about this people group being, you know, around the Israelites, connected to the family. And from the history books you read, there's some positivity related to them. At first, relations are good. Things are going well. We see them, you know, helping the Israelites in times of need. We see this people who went far away and lived in different regions, that they were people who were actually a blessing. If you recall the story of Moses when Moses leaves Egypt and he goes into the wilderness he comes upon a band of Midianites and actually his wife the father the father-in-law is a priest in the clan of the Midianites. And he is the one who gives Moses incredible wisdom and says, you can't rule this way. You need some governance. You need some structure. You need some things in order for you to be able to succeed. you got to quit doing things the way you're doing it because you know what? You are not being efficient and effective. So there's some positivity when it comes to this people group called the Midianites. But by the time you get to Judges, relations have soured. Tensions have flared. And now this group of people who are very adept at riding camels and raiding and warring. They are very skilled in the art of warcraft. They need to supplement their own food stores. Their land is not producing enough food. They can't sustain themselves in their own regions, so they start going and doing skirmishes in all the surrounding towns, villages, and people groups, because I don't care what you've got or don't got. What I care about is my family doesn't have it, and I need to get it, and so I don't care if I got to take it from you to give it to our own, and that's what's going on. They come every time the crops come in, And they sprout out. The Minionites and the Malachites and the Ketamites, these guys, their hordes would come up and erupt across the Jordan and they would come to pillage. Anybody seen The Bug's Life? I got kids, man. I watch little kids' movies. You know, it's like the grasshoppers showing up, taking all the food that the ants have worked so hard all summer to amass so that they could be prepared for the winter. They come down like a horde Devouring everything. Seven years of this. How many of y'all would have gotten discouraged after like the first month of this? Seven years. You're working hard. You're doing everything. You're trying your best. You're sacrificing for your family. You're doing everything within your talents and abilities. And somebody comes and takes it away from you. It's devastating. It ruined the economy and the emotion of the Israelite people. And so in the absence, you know, of of modern technology, think about what he is doing here. Uh, Gideon is in a wine press, a place where you're supposed to press grapes to make wine. A a place where you are producing something in one capacity and function. Here is a man doing something entirely different. See, in that day, you would... uh, thresh grain. You would you separate the grain from, from the stocks by first beating the heads of the cut stocks. And then you would take that and you would flail it. You would throw it up in the wind with your pitchforks and you would allow the wind to blow through it, separating the shaft from the grains of kernel, the kernels of wheat. The, the heavier grains would fall down and the shaft would be blown away by the wind. Let me ask you this. When you're in a depression, in a valley, in a, in a place where you're surrounded how much is that breeze going to come on through and, and operate and flow and do that which you want it to do he's in the wrong context Gideon is hiding because I got to do this thing here and hopefully and do it more times and more often and with more effort and with more, you know, dedication and sacrifice, with more toil, with more sweat on my brow. I am doing it inefficiently and ineffectively because I am afraid that if they catch wind, they're going to come and steal all that I got. He's hiding. He's hiding in a breezeless winepress. press. He's relegated to secrecy. He is forced to rely on unusual and unconventional and unproductive methods. Surely nobody here has ever been motivated by fear, no? I'm looking at a group of amazing people who've never been afraid. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give me some of your faith. (laughs) Because I've been afraid sometimes. Some of us have been afraid just this morning. We were afraid yesterday. Maybe we, you know, have have done some things that were unconventional or we've hidden at times. How many of us in, you know, uncomfortable social settings, we hide behind our emotional support devices or children We hide behind our phones or we hide behind our cup or we hide behind whatever because we, we, we are not as comfortable in that place. How many of us, we've gone out of our way, nobody here I know, you've gone out of your way to avoid that person that is coming on the other side of the road who might be your boss, who might be your colleague, might be a very family member of yours because you are afraid of that person. You have adjusted your lifestyle and you have tampered your personality. You have limited a portion of your purpose or your calling. You have shifted something in your very fabric of your life because you want to avoid something painful or difficult. Nobody here has ever done that, no? But the Bible says this. We don't have to live in secrecy we don't have to live in hiding we don't have to live in that dark place where we're trying to cower and be behind our safety net and security because what is around us is difficult uncomfortable threatening oppressive violent whatever it may be the bible says this God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves somebody say amen Say to your neighbor, you don't belong in the shadows. Get out, Gideon. What are you doing in the wine press? It's time for us to quit hiding. I don't want to go to Thanksgiving because you know what, he's gonna be there and she's gonna be there, and it's gonna be awkward, it's gonna be difficult. And we do not need to hide. I can't you know say this at the office because if I say this, then this is going to happen and that's going to happen, and this person's going to get riled up, and we need to stop hiding. He has saved us and rescued us from the dominion of secrecy, from the dominion of obscurity, from the dominion of fear and trepidation, from the dominion of timidity, from the dominion of fill in the blank. You need to be front and center. Amen, pastor. Number two, we need to learn to quit making excuses. Go to Judges chapter 6, verse 12, and then we'll jump to 15. When the angel of the Lord, remember, the people of God prayed, Lord, help us against this threat called the Midianites. Now the angel of the Lord shows up. He's highlighting a person by the name of Gideon. When the angel of the Lord had appeared to Gideon, he said, Lord, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Man, how many of y'all would just get excited just to hear those words? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now jump down to verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord. Can you all hear him? Please, Lord, come on. Please, Lord, behold, my clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. What irony. The angel shows up to a man who is fearfully hiding in a wine press, doing something in secret and with methods that are not productive. And he says, what's up, mighty warrior? How you doing, stud? Stud. How are you, beautiful? How's, what, whatever it may be. You know, your insecurity, what you're, what you're feeling is not the... Hey, how are you, mighty warrior? Man. Forgetting to be able to fulfill his purpose, which is going to be revealed shortly. The angel is going to tell him some things. He had to come out from behind his own view. Of himself, For some, right here, this is the sermon. God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior. He saw him a certain way. However, Gideon saw himself as the runt. He saw himself as the weakest in the smallest. I am the runt of my family. I am the trivial in my clan. I am of the clan that is not even known as the biggest clan. We are barely a footnote in history. Kind of sounds like Moses, doesn't he? Anybody remember the prince of Egypt? You remember in the book of Exodus? He sounds like Moses. Uh, Moses, I want you to go to, is, uh, to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, but, but God, but God, he sounds like porky pig. But God, but, 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 but God, uh, but God uh, who am I? You know, I'm inadequate. But but God, uh, I don't know enough. You know what? I, I'm inexperienced, God. But God, you know what? Uh, people won't take me seriously. I have no credibility. But God, you know what? I'm not good with words. I'm you know what? I'm incompetent. But God, but God, but God, this and but that, but this and but that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's all excuses. Excuses born out of a lack of, catch this, revelation. Turn to your neighbor and say, revelation. It's excuses born out of a lack of revelation. Hello, mighty warrior. Should have been standing at attention. Why? Because he should have known some things that have been already prophesied and declared, released and established. Sadly, like Gideon, we often see a distorted view, reflection of ourselves, don't we? Maybe I'm the only one in this room that I've I've thought of myself in a way that doesn't quite match up to the words I hear in this book. Excuses never lead us, though, to escape. It never leads us to incredible escapades and accomplishment and exploits. They only lead us to evasive maneuvers. They lead us to evading instead of expanding. They lead us to evading instead of exploring. They lead us to evading instead of engaging, experiencing, experiencing. Excuses. We've got to quit excusing ourselves from our victories. Tell your neighbor, you got victory in you. You got victory before you. Stop running from it. Stop excusing it. Quit dodging the commandments, the instructions that if you just follow the commandments, if you just follow the instructions, you would be in a path, in a trajectory, on a mission that is going to impact the very world around you. What does the Bible tell us, church? What does the Bible tell us? Get a revelation of what the word says. Some of us, we've been hiding for years. We've been hiding for months. We've been hiding for days, but you need to make a change today and you got to quit making excuses because the Bible says you are not a loser. You are not third rate. You are not less than. You are not weak or lost or insignificant. The Bible tells us this, Isaiah 43 one, but no, now, now, now at this moment, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, Gideon. He didn't say, hey, what's your name, dude, in the wine press? Gideon, I've called you by name, mighty warrior. Aquia, I've called you by name. Ezekiel, I've called you by name. I've called you by name, Janet, for this time, for this season. You're not less than. I I know where you live. I know what's going on. Isaiah 43, 4, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. He is willing and ready to ransom you, redeem you. Rescue you, First Peter two nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. I am His. I am God's. I am chosen. I am blessed. I am a royal priesthood. Come on, somebody. Catch this today. I'm not the runt of the litter. I'm not the least in my family. I'm not the broken. I'm not the lost. I'm not the divorcee. I'm not this. I'm not the failure. I am chosen by name. I'm called for such a time as this. I am his. He has chosen me. Somebody praise the Lord. Learn to quit hiding. Learn to quit making excuses. Look at verse 13. You got to learn to stop crying over your past. I'll let that sit with somebody. Please, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up out from Egypt? Gideon got hung up on his past. He got hung up on his people's past. God, you've done great things for us before. God, I've heard the stories, miracles, plagues, man, food from heaven. You even wiped out an entire Army, with a C. Man, I've heard those stories. God, that was incredible. And by comparison, where is that right now? You ain't around. Your presence ain't here. Man, if he got hung up on the positive things, don't even let me get started on the negativity. Because some of us, we are just crying over that broken relationship. Guys, she left. She's gone. She ain't coming back. They hired someone else, dude. That job is over. It's gone. No, but I'm still talking. COVID was done a couple years ago. Our church, you know what, hasn't launched this, and there's no ministry for that, and you know what? But we used to be this many people before COVID, and we used to do all this. If he is hung up on the positive, don't even start thinking about the negativity. Because some of us, all we see is the negativity. We forgot that in the midst of our problem, we forget to see the provision that God already gave us. That God was faithful before. I'm here crying that I don't have the money to pay this bill, but God, you paid for my entire car. Co- I'm debt-free from college. Like, why are you not going to take care of this thing right here? We're so busy complaining about the negative moment that we miss out on what God has already done. Or we get caught up in living the glory days of what he has done and we don't see him doing what he wants to do now. Man, it kind of reminds me of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 and 2 in the message translation. I love what it says. This is how the message paraphrase puts it. He says, God addressed Samuel. Who is talking? God. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? Hey, Samuel, how long are you going to cry over Saul? King Saul. How long are you going to bawl your eyes out over King Saul? You know I've rejected him as the king. Fill your flask with anointing oil. Get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his people. See, we need to cry, quit crying over our past because if we are crying over what God has finished, we are out of obedience. If we are moping over what God has declared dead, we are not living in the will of God. If God has said, this I have laid to bed. Let it go. No, but I got to keep this ministry going. I got to keep this thing. God, there hasn't been a single person that's come to Christ through your little rinky dink ministry and you're still trying to keep that going. Let it go. It's dead. Do something new. But you know what, man, those were the glory days and we used to, you know, remember that story? Every time you meet the person, it's the same story. It's like, I don't want to see them bump into this person because they're going to tell me about the glory days of when they scored that touchdown and it was the best. Their lives peaked at that moment. They never moved on. Move on. If Samuel did not move on, he would have missed the David among him. How many of us are missing the Davids, missing the new job opportunity, missing the new relationship, missing the friendship? That friendship is over. Maybe God has a new one for you that will withstand the test of time but you're crying over the one that was lost because of your blunder, because of someone else's issue. Move on. There is a time for us to cry, a time for us to plant, a time for things to be born, a time for things to die. Absolutely. I'm not saying, you know what, you shouldn't grieve. Go ahead, cry, bawl your eyes out, write in your journal. You know what, put up an ad in the newspaper. You know, have your pity party. Do whatever you got to do. But once you've done that, you give it to the Lord and you move on. Move on. Because otherwise, you're going to miss your David. If the past is your query, let the past victories propel you towards future conquests. Amen. If the past holds your gaze, let the past failures amplify wisdom in your future pursuits. Move on. Somebody say, quick ryan. And I need to quit taking my time. Uh, Number four, verse 14. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. We need to quit underrating our strength, church. Elevate your quit game. Learn to quit underrating and selling yourself short. Notice that the angel says, go in this might of mine. No. Go in this might of yours. Ooh. Come on. You see, there's something in here. You saying I got something to contribute. You're saying that I have what I need. Ooh. Most of us would have a much more enjoyable, meaningful, and blessed time if we would simply operate in the understanding and revelation that we've got what God has intended for us to have, and it's enough. Too many people just sit on the sidelines waiting for more strength. You know what? I'm just going to pray about it, sister. I'm, gonna, I'm praying. I'm praying. God, what do you need to pray about? There are certain things you don't need to pray about. I mean, I'm just praying if it's God's will that I don't divorce my wife underneath the pressure of what we're going through. God already told you he doesn't want you to do that. You know, you don't need to pray about that. You know, sh- should I, should I have integrity in my business? You don't have to, you know, it, it's already here. That You don't have to pray for that. You got enough wisdom and understanding and clarity to go ahead and just do that. But not only that, oh, you know what, I, I, just, I just can't, you know, I just can't put down the Snickers bar. Uh, you have already enough strength within you to say no. Because if that's not the case, why does the doctor say to somebody, you know what, if you don't change, things are going to go south real quick. And you got X amount of days to live or months or years or whatever. And all of a sudden, the Snickers bar doesn't hold as much weight. You got the strength within you. You just need to come under the revelation of God. You need to come under the revelation of who you are and what he has called you to. Too many of us are sitting on the sidelines waiting for strength, praying for more gifts, praying for more direction, asking for more favor, desiring, you know, greater anointing. Yet the reality is we could go right now at this moment and we could take a city. Right now in this moment, we could go and advance the kingdom of God. Right now, in this moment, we could change the very fabric of our families if we just hit our knees and say, Lord, I declare today that what you said here is mine. Me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. I'm not going to let him decide or her decide if this is for us or not. This is a done deal. I'm standing on it. I'm not waiting to one day I'm prayed up enough that I can say something to that person. Open your mouth right now. Open your lips today. And just release what God has put inside of you. Attack the enemy forces right now. Take back the territory that he's stolen. Don't wait for one day. How many days are you just going to give for free to the enemy? All he's got going on is he's fooling you in thinking that he has the upper hand. The Bible says that the enemy goes around like a roaring lion, looking whom he may devour. When you go and peek behind that curtain, though, you'll realize that in his mouth there are no teeth. He's just roaring. And you are like, I'm so scared. I can't go. I can't do this. But the reality is you've got more power than him. See, this whole thing, you know, I was listening to this person um, who's a Bible scholar and, uh, you know, I'm going off a rabbit trail here, but bottom line, let me just condense what I was gonna say, is that uh, he, he talks a lot about the spiritual realm. And the bottom line, when he gets to the bottom line of all of it, he talks a lot about angels and demons and all sorts of stuff. When he gets to the bottom line of it all, he's like, look, you gotta realize and come to this revelation. The enemy already knows he's defeated. He already knows the end of the book. He knows it so well. He knows the timeline, the details. He can see it because he's a perfect study, understudy of humanity. He he doesn't have foreknowledge, but he has long patience and the ability to to study mankind. He knows all of your hangups and all of your issues. He sees your motivations. He knows what things tick you off versus what things get you ticking and going. And so he can predict certain human behaviors. So he can see all that stuff. He knows the end. And what he does is this. He works to keep you ignorant of his future. To keep you bound, not looking behind the curtain, knowing that he's already defeated because he wants to intimidate you with fear to keep you stagnant. If I just had more anointing, if I could just pray like this person, if you know what, I just had this, that, whatever, and you know what? Bottom line, you could go right now in the strength that he's given you. Kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus, there's all these people. There's no place to eat. There's nothing going on. It's been several days. You're preaching long like Pastor Brian, and you know what's going on, Jesus? These people need to eat. All right. You feed them. You feed them. Luke chapter 9, verse 13. You feed them. Church, I want you to get this. Say this out loud. I'm stronger than I think. I'm wiser than I know. I'm more equipped than I equate. I am more favored than I'm aware. If you believe that, say amen. No, somebody say amen. amen. You haven't grasped the strength that you have. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, the Bible says. Well, he's prepared for the ones who love him. That's right. Come on. Somebody needs to go out of church today and say, I am blessed and highly favored. And that's, that's not about money. That's about every aspect of our lives. I may have this problem going on in my family, this issue happening in my neighborhood, but I am blessed. I got all I need. I go in my strength and my mind because I know that God is with me. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Some of y'all need to just step out. Step out. And if you, okay, let me just say this. If you honestly, truly are lacking in a thing, there is something that God's called you to do and you're lacking the skill, the knowledge, the know-how, the connections, then you know what? I've seen it in this book that if we would just honor God with what's in our hands, if you would just take a step and say, I've got the strength within me and I will do everything within my power and ability to fulfill what God has already given me, I'm gonna trust God. You will make up my deficits. Lord, I'm going to show up on the job site. I might not have every answer, but I'm going to not be the one who's cowering and hiding. When the boss asks, you know what, what do we think? I'm going to launch out in the idea that's been birthed inside of me. Although I don't have all the details worked out, I'm going to speak it out, and then I'm going to back it up by trusting in you and working my hiney so that I can actually bring something to the table of value and see you move in my heart, in my circumstance. I'm too broken to serve. Use what you got. Oh, I can't tithe. i don't got no money. Give what you got. I'm too poor to move on. I'm too timid to talk. Give what you got. I'm too unlearned. Give what you have. Amen. It's amazing how God responds when we just show him what's in our hands. Number five, team, come on up. Let's wrap this thing up. You got to learn how to quit waiting on an answer. Quit waiting on an answer. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Amen. I will be with you. But here is the most important phrase and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive verse 16. Did you catch that? Gideon is confronted by the angel that is calling him to be the hero in this saga, to be the man of the hour, the MVP in the moment. And Gideon's response is, who, me? Surely, God, you've, you've got the wrong number. Surely, it's like that commercial with static on the line and all of a sudden, something that was supposed to be done this way is being done a whole nother way and there's problems. Gideon, there was some interference, God, in the call I just got. You didn't pick me. There's no doubt. No, no, it's not me. You've dialed the wrong number. I believe one of the biggest issues that a lot of folks in the church face is that too many of us are waiting for the calvary to arrive too many of us are looking over the hills where it helms deep lord of the rings fans you all know what i'm talking about we're in the thick and thin the hordes are surrounding us the problems are there the enemy is going to overtake us we are outmanned outnumbered outmatched outgunned outsword, whatever and we're looking up at the hills like, when's Gandalf showing up? When are the horses coming? When are the giants coming? When are the catapults in the, in, in the, in the machinery of war that can turn the tide of this thing showing up? Too many of us are waiting for someone else to come rescue us, for someone else to come heal us, for someone else to come lead us, for someone else to come change us, for someone else to come impart something to us, for someone else to come inspire us and motivate us. We're waiting for somebody else, for something else, for some other thing. It's funny, you know, when we gather together as a family, at every like, you know, holiday or birthday party or whatever, I'm the token prayer person. I'm the official prayer at all of our family gatherings. And I understand that they do that out of respect and honor as they recognize and respect my position as a pastor. I get it. But my wife will testify to you, I often say this, I joke around and I say, nobody in this place knows how to pray. Where are the other Christians at? I know some of y'all go to church. I joke around because often we're waiting for someone else to pray. We're waiting for someone else to show up in your family member's life and speak the gospel when lo and behold, you've been a Christian since 1959. Jesus, would you just send the right person with the right words and the right personality at the right moment, when all the stars align and Jupiter and Saturn and this and that, and they woke up on the right side of the bed? And you know what? All this—hey, Gideon, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to your school system. Zach, you are sent to your school. To, to just say, hey, enemy, I'm coming in. I'm, I'm taking over this place. Get out of here. Stop ruining the lives of my friends. So, all this drug stuff that is, that's wreaking havoc, nah, this, this stops right now today because I got to speak about the name of, you know, the name above every name and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has come to redeem us and strengthen us and transform us. And he's got a plan for your life. You are the Gideon and the answer. Oh, man, if we could just have that right, you know, marriage conference that the pastor would put together in the church and the right speaker and the right teacher would show up. And you know what? They finally get through to the thickness of my husband's head. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe he sent you. I know he did. Into that marriage. You're the one who married your husband. Not me. Not somebody else. He's united you guys together. And he's called you to be a helpmate. And part of that is you pray and intercede and you cry out to God. And you model a life of what it means to live according to this book. And you watch God show up as you honor and respect, love and appreciate and sacrifice and serve. You be the answer. Don't wait for Pastor Brian to put on a marriage conference to save your marriage. Because if you're waiting for me to save your marriage, I'm sorry, I will fail you. I'm working on my own. I love you, honey. Are you getting this, church? Hello, mighty warrior. Stand on up with me. As we conclude our time together, some of y'all, general contractors, y'all know what this is. It's a compressor. You can compress air and pressurize air in that thing. Use it for all sorts of applications. You can fill tires. You can, you know, put a nail gun to it. And you can, maybe not this one. is a little, It's a little weak. But it's got the ability to compress air. To, to, to put some, you know, pounds per square inch pressure, you know, to, to, to consolidate it inside of a method and for a purpose channel it to accomplish something the reality is that when God showed up Gideon was under pressure all around him before God showed up there was pressure on all the Israelites in that region the Midianites were wreaking havoc and there was external pressures, but then there was internal pressures and fears and all these other things going on and inadequacies and all these excuses and all this waiting on somebody else and crying over the past. There's all this stuff going on. But let me just tell you that we can overcome the pressures that's happening around us. Someone here, maybe, possibly, someone watching online today, I've talked to some of you guys and I know maybe you've heard this series and you're, you're thinking, you know what, yeah you talked about emotional intelligence, you talked about, you know, uh, getting better at managing our stress, you've talked about you know, upgrading our money and, and making the right ethical decisions and you know what, there's all these great things to add value to my life and, but I'm just going through a season where I'm under a lot of burden, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure I'm being bogged down, I'm being pressed in feels like I'm under intense pressure. I'm under the weight of fear. I'm under the thumb of my past. I'm under the condemnation of false narratives. I'm under the burden of broken relationships, health issues, or a crisis, or otherwise, whatever. I may not know the pressure that you're under. Maybe you feel like this can. And there's the world just kind of like sneaking on in pressing you down, you're buckling, you're making noise, you're shifting and you're frustrated and you feel like giving up, you feel like throwing in the towel, you feel like letting go because the pressure is just crushing. Church, I want you to understand that quitters sometimes quit, but they quit intentionally certain things that need to be released out of their lives. But then there are things that are non-negotiable that we should never quit. And we need to continue to hold on and press into the promises in the word of God and rest in that. Some of us, you know, we're going through this time and we're frustrated in all of that I want to show you that there is a different outcome. There's a different life possible. There's a different option because God has promised that if we would trust in him, that if we would just lean on him, that if we would just believe him, that if we would just trust him, that if we would just follow after him, that if we would just go after God and that we would allow him to come into our hearts and into our lives, it doesn't matter. Things may tilt. Things may, may look a little wobbly around us. But you know what? I have something within me that Pressurizes me, and the pressure that is within me is greater than the pressure that is around me. And He who has come into me, the Holy Spirit who abides inside of me, keeps me going. I will be victorious, I will overcome. I am the head and not the tail. My house shall serve the Lord. I will not grow down in this fight. Though a man stumbles, he gets up again. See, some of us we realize, look, there's all this stuff going on. All this pressure. These are the very same two cans. The only difference is that this one is pressurized with something inside. There is pressure with greater is what is in here than the power that I exerted over it. Some of us need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to come into my life. Some of y'all are trying to go through life and figuring out this thing and doing it all in your own strength. Today I come to tell you that you need to just say, Jesus, come into my life. That's my first appeal this morning. If there's anybody in this place that you've tried to do your life on your own, you've been going, you're going to buckle like that can. Don't do it on your own. Oh, I can figure this out. I got it right now. I got it all good. I got the money. I got the resources. Things are working out in my heart. Yeah, but what about when it doesn't? When many it shows up for seven years? If you've got the power of God living within you, you will withstand the pressures from without. You will overcome so let's close our eyes if there's any person in this place that you have not committed your life to jesus christ you have not said yet i want to follow jesus and allow the applied words of his to change my heart and fill my life and lead my life then change that today if that's you i want you to lift up your hand i'm not going to ask you to come over here i just want to know who to include in my prayer If you have walked away from the faith, you've tried to do life on your own. You're at the breaking point of giving up. You're about to give up the very, you know, ethics of your life. And you're like, you know what? You know, at least in prison, there's three square meals. You're at your wit's end on certain things. You're about to give up and do something ratchet and crazy. Friend, don't do that you just don't know what to do with this family member or this situation because you've been doing it on your own, you need to come back to God and say, Lord, I want to entrust it to you. If you've walked away from the faith and you need to turn around and recommit your heart today, recommit your life to following Jesus, I want you to lift up your hand as well. Again, I'm not going to ask you to come here. I just want to know who to include in my prayer. You know who you are. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus reigning and ruling in your heart. If that's you online, put a a comment in the chat. Somebody will connect with you. Just pray with me, church. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Heal me of my brokenness. Rid me of my excuses. Help me to step into the promises Said, declared over me. Forgive me and help me from this day forward to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all give it up for Jesus. Praise God. Lastly, invite though everyone just close your eyes and just just think on these words there's some people in this place maybe someone online that God is calling you to see something through there is something that you have given up on or you're just about to do so and God is saying through the anointing of his spirit today to your heart, he's saying you do not quit this Quit the excuses around it. Quit asking for some other answer. Quit, you know, thinking of the past and whatever in comparison. Quit hiding from the pain and the issue. Yes, but you need to see this through. I don't know what that is for you, but I want you to commit right now. This moment, this week, Lord, I'm going to try it again. Lord, I'm going to launch once more. God, I'm going to uh, go one more time. God, I'm not going to throw in the towel. God, I'm going to invite you into this moment and circumstance. God, I'm going to believe what you have said versus what my neighbors are saying. God, I'm going to trust what I see in your word versus what I see on the news. God, I'm going to look to your promises as opposed to what I see on this medical chart. God, I am going to give it back to you and let you have the final say and the final word. If that is something that you need to do, I invite you to come and I'm going to agree with you on this altar. You just come. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to believe with you. I'm going to trust in God and I want to hold your hand and look In your eye, so that I can rejoice with you when you walk through your victory. If you've got something that God is speaking to your heart, come down. Don't wait, don't wait, don't worry about somebody else. Everybody else, you're dismissed. Lift up your hands. As we worship God and praise Him as we close this service. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your word that does not return void. You were watching over the Israelites and you invited Gideon. You saw him, Lord. Your eyes are looking to and fro throughout the earth, looking whom you will send, looking to fulfill your word. Father, I pray that your love and your grace Would flow to every heart that is here. That your empowering Holy Spirit would minister to every life and bring about what you want to accomplish. Jesus, I pray that that selflessness, that surrender, that willingness to just flow and hold on to the Father and all of His plans. I pray that that would be our portion today. In Jesus' mighty name. As God dismisses you, go and have a wonderful week. Growth track. uh, Kids bash is happening. And I invite those who want prayer, come. We will believe and agree with you. May God bless you and strengthen you. In Jesus' mighty name, let's worship him.